Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 238, where two's company and three's a podcast. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Welcome are you? to the show. Thanks. Somebody shared their Coke with me and it said Stacy, so apparently I'm Stacy now. So. How are you guys? Well, Glenn has no energy. No. Nope. Apparently I'm too <laughs> scattershot for radio. <laughs> scattershot? Scattershot. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of that? No. Nope. I don't know the definition. <laughs> well, I can figure it out from context. <laughs> Good, because I don't know the definition. It's kind of like buckshot, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Scatter. Is that same a word? I- same idea. Buckshot. You know, like a shotgun. Okay, I-, I think I understand where it's derived from. I think that's where, yeah. That's but it, that's not like, you don't use, oh, I'm, butter- I'm buckshot tonight, right? No, oh, okay, no. okay. You were just. That's what I imagined. From the, or- from the word, word origin, I suppose. Yeah, but I would presume scattershot's really something you say when you're scattershot. <laughs> whatever the de- whatever definition scattershot of it. is. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the de- <laughs> definition of it is. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't felt weird. I haven't felt good since about Wednesday, but this weekend really hit me. That's why I wasn't in Friday Night Who this week because mm-hmm. I went home, and went to bed, and then got up Saturday morning and went to. Uh, Family reunion. For I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at the family reunion. Oh. Scattershot, adjective, denoting something that is broad but random and haphazard in its range. Like, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> I have never had a definition of me better than that. <laughs> broad and random and hap broad but random and haphazard. Well, he looked it up in Webster and in, in, in there's a picture right next to it. It's got a picture of Sean. Yeah, right there. Translations, word origins. Oh, hey, yeah, there I am. <laughs> well, I got up Saturday morning, went to a um, family reunion for Holly's family, which was fun. We didn't stay too long, but... Now, where's uh, her family from again? We had lunch uh, all over Kansas. We usually meet in Kansas City because... That's the one, okay. Well, she's got an uncle in South Carolina, and he and his family flew out, and then... He, she has uncle. She has two uncles in Kansas City. That's why we always end up in Kansas City. Her dad's here, and then her aunt is in Hayes, Kansas. So, hmm. <clears throat> and then a lot of her uh, uh, cousins live in the Kansas City area. So it's 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 kind of a center point, and it's easy for a lot of people. Um, then we came home. We were going to go to the Fiesta, but we it, it was so hot on Saturday. Oh, yeah, we would have been out in the heat all morning because we the family reunion was at a park. Was it Shawnee Mission Park? And we were just exhausted, so we went home, and we were just kind of sitting around recovering from the heat. And I said, well, if we're not going to Fiesta, maybe I'll take the kids to see Ant-Man. So we went and saw Ant-Man. Oh, I didn't want to go? No, she's not. She's not into the Marvel films. Um, The kids and I usually go see them in the theater when they... Release and then she usually watches them with us when we come. Out there. Oh, on on video. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's still she's still seen all of them, but just not okay. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't rush out to see them. We've all seen it, right? So yeah. Can, mm-hmm. Okay, so spoilers. We're gonna talk Ant Man for a minute. Go. It's good. It's great. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was it it was. Um, I didn't think I was. I didn't. I didn't think I would dislike it, but it, this like way exceeded my expectations for it. So 
it's funny. It's um, clever. It's it's. Uh, I think you put it best on Facebook that it's really just a heist film. Is what it feels like. I think it was you. I don't know. I oh no! It, it was. I'm sorry. It was Robert at work said it felt like uh, a heist film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally, it's a heist film. Um, it's Which funny. Is kind of a nice change of pace for a Marvel film. Yeah. I like that it it has its own niche because I think the 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 Marvel films are doing are, are doing a nice job of of making. Being a connective universe, but also making each movie feel different, you know, um, like Captain America, for example, being that you know, rocketeer type film, that Joe, Joe Johnson feel. Um, Thor being very epic and Shakespearean, and you know that kind of feel. Ant Man being a heist film, Guardians being just you know kind of space screwball, opera, screwball, call. yeah, space opera. That's good. Scatter shot. Scatter shot. <laughs> um, and you know, you have some that are just run-of-the-mill. I think the Iron Man films are all kind of just cast in the same mold, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But see what you did there. <laughs> it, it, it also exceeded for me. Uh, I, I went in kind of expecting to enjoy it, and kind of I, I got, also got what I expected from it, which was just going to be a fun romp. Nothing too serious like the previous two uh, Marvel movies had been. Even Guardians, to an extent, this is just—it felt almost a bit more like Iron Man. Yeah, it did have an Iron Man feel to it. Yeah, um, but it's almost a, for me, it was almost a weird mix of Iron Man and, and Incredible Hulk, since we didn't get a true origin story. We got this weird mixture. Well, we did get a true origin story. There was an origin story, but we didn't we see it had, in the traditional origin story. We format. already had it. Well, we did, but well, for a different we character. got Scott's perspective yeah. and his origin, but Instead we also the got, origin of the suit and the yeah, technology was, and all it, of that. It was nice to see some Marvel, gives, some Marvel ground already established, even pre movies. I thought that was good. Yeah, and um, it, it gave such rich. Every time they do more history of the Marvel universe, I appreciate it, and this provides so much more depth and texture to the overall universe, including Shield. Especially considering the cameos in the very beginning, I did not expect. Yeah, I, 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 so I, had, cool. actually, I had actually seen that they had been cast. Hallie Atwell, who played uh, Peggy Carter, and um, John Slattery. Yeah, John Slattery, who plays um, Howard Stark in Iron Man Two in the film. Which I was kind of of Iron Man Two. I didn't expect to see him at all. <clears throat> um, and then the the technology they used to make, I swore he walked off the set of Wall Street. Michael Douglas, my goodness, oh, yeah. the technology was so good. <laughs> Every once how much in a while. work went into he, just that he, first he scene. He walked in and I went, damn, he still looks good. <laughs> <laughs> how come the makeup for the rest of these people is not so great? Because, well, maybe he's just, you know, and then they showed him later and went, no, that's what he looks like now. That's I don't know funny. how they did that. <laughs> they had to make them all look older and her look younger, <laughs> or him look younger. So yeah. I was like, well, no, the two of them, the one he gave a bloody nose to made him look younger too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So it was like. And then her older and John Slattery just looks like himself. He does, which he's playing now. Who's probably the first film he's played the age that he is? Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't have been too long after that film stuff. I don't know. It's probably filmed in the seventies. I don't know. When I say film stuff, I mean the the film that, that Tony's oh, watching yeah. in Iron Man three, where he unlocks the key to the two. Uh, two. Yeah, Iron Man two, where he unlocks the key to the unobtainium um, arc reactor. <laughs> Um, I I hesitate to call it a fun romp because well, it's, 
Yeah, I think this movie, stri- I, Fun Romp is Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, this movie strikes the, this perfect balance between a comedy and a drama. Maybe maybe what it's I'm looking got, for isn't so much Fun Romp as... It's an enjoyable It, it doesn't though. have earth-shattering implications for the Marvel Universe. No, it doesn't. And well, where uh, our, uh, Age of Ultron, but all the, Winter Soldier... All the yeah. starter movies do. I mean, yeah. you know, Iron Man didn't have huge well, and, and implications. And, after and so long Thor didn't have huge, a first huge movie, it, even though Guardians is a first movie, it doesn't quite feel like a first movie, if that makes sense. It also has pretty... Well, it's, not, it's, not earth shattering, but world shattering. Yeah, it's got inf- infinity stone yeah. uh, tie-in. Yeah, so it, 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 it's it, got a broader scope, and it's, it's kind the, of it's it's different to go back to that smaller scope yeah, again. It's the first one that really has an infinity stone in its first set of the series. I've um, I don't know anything about Ant Man. I know nothing about Ant Man. You know, so we're going to do Ant Man, and I kind of went. Yeah. Nobody cares about Ant Man, really. I mean, what's this thing? And then the whole Edgar Wright controversy and the, you know, people were apparently upset over, you know, the idea of Hank Pym because apparently if you go further back into the comics, I've done some research, really far back into the comics, he's not exactly the nicest guy. No, he's not. That's well, part he of why they changed what so. they did. Yeah. He wasn't um, the nicest guy in this movie. In fact, I, I kind of liked where they went with the character. Because I did too. It did. It, well, it, it, had, it had shades of the Hank Pym, Pym that we know from the comics, from the yeah, from the eighties, because even I mean before that, I mean, uh, Tales of Astonish was I think started in the nineteen sixties or something like that, and he was just kind of his own person. I like the name drop too that they <laughs> yeah threw that, 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 that Tales for from, Tales to Astonish, Astonish. But I just you know, so I kind of went like you. I just kind of went into it with no. It's, like, it's a Marvel movie, so yeah, I'm going to kind of have that automatic level of some enjoyment, and I'm sure they'll do a good job with it. But I, you know, I don't know how much I can be wowed by this. And I came out of it going, wow. I mean, I don't know if I was wow, but I was like, that was good. It it had the feel of Iron Man one with the fun factor of Guardians. Yeah, for me, I just and and it was such because I you know don't get me wrong, I liked Ultron, but I came out of Ultron with that little sense of reservation that the maybe the MCU was getting just a little tired that we're starting to kind of get a formula. Here's this. And it's like, yeah, this is exactly what I expected. And I didn't know what I expected out of this because I don't know anything about Ant-Man. But I had so much fun watching it. And you're right. It's it's part comedy and part heist film and part... This, and it just it struck that perfect balance between all these little elements that was going on. And it was just a fun movie. I think it's going to wind up being an underappreciated ass, uh, film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I disagree. I think that... I just disagree with you, Lev. Let's be corrupted. Um... I disagree because I think that because of all the things that Sean pointed to with all the rocky rocky start and going to it, it's, it's been the least advertised Marvel film. I mean, it ramped up the last two weeks as far as advertising goes, but it really just kind of, they, they didn't say much about it. They didn't show much about it. They didn't really push it like they've pushed a lot of the Marvel films. And I think what happened was this first weekend, I think it did better than even Marvel maybe thought it was going to do. Well, I now, I think they wanted 60, they between wanted 60 and 65,000, yeah. and it opened at 58. Eight, yeah. So they're almost there. But I, I really think that the marketing part department felt that there was they could have even come in further under the bar. I just I really get mm-hmm. the impression. And I think what happened was because of all that that happened before, all the Rocky lead up to it, I think that, that they were hedging that, their bets a little bit. You yeah, think? well, I think that kept a lot of people. I keep thinking it kept a lot of diehards, especially uh, right fans that are still sore over the breakup. 
I think that kept them out of the theater, but I think the nice thing is by hitting the $58 million mark this weekend and then... Do so you think it's going to get a big mouth? It'll have word week. of mouth. It'll get a boot. And I think it'll boost a, a boost next week. I think it'll. I think it'll probably stay pretty level. I don't think it'll hit fifty eight million next week. Don't get me wrong, but it has no competition really until um, Mission Impossible, which is still two weeks down the road or three. Yeah, two. two weeks down the road. So it'll 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 it won't lose its momentum until two or three weeks and because i think word of mouth is getting around because it's 78 i think well i checked sunday 78 percent fresh rating on yeah i got Rock a higher Tomatoes. fresh rating than ultron it's got a 64 on metacritic it did as of saturday anyway uh sunday anyway um so it's it's getting good reviews i haven't seen anything very few things negative about it there's some people didn't like it as well as others but it has there's been no negativity about it so i think that word of mouth is going to keep it at, at a steady pace and I think more people will appreciate it. I mean, even even Guardians, even though it opened at ninety eight, I mean, it, it really surged well, even yeah. in that next week yeah, because it really of word of mouth. So if this even gets that little bump, it'll it'll help. It's sitting at an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes for critics and a ninety two audience. Yeah, oh, wow! So, so I think that'll help. I think it'll keep the the momentum going. And I think that it you know it didn't open as well as even the other first starts, which you have to really have to compare it to like Thor. Well, it was the Captain second America. lowest. What was the lowest? An Incredible Hulk. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which I read an article that infuriated me, saying uh, it opened the Ant Man opened the lowest of the Marvel Cinematic movies. Second, if you count Incredible Hulk, of course you count Incredible <laughs> well, Hulk. What kind well, of but even Marvel doesn't that? count Incredible Hulk because it was and co-produced the, with uh, Universal. So. But it's still part of the Marvel. Cinematic. It is. They, they well, even it is, included but, in clips of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So and you can't just disregard it because completely. it's. I think he included in clips because as of to date, it's the only standalone Hulk movie. Standalone Hulk movie that you can really point to and go, ha ha. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the universal attachment to that. I mean, it's 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 a vastly different but, beast. But from a Marvel perspective, you have to compare it to Thor and, and Captain America, and it didn't open as wide as those. But I think those are the ones that are, are sort of overlooked now. Because of things that have come since, you know, yeah. Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, both Avengers films, and so I think I think even Ant Man has a better chance against those in the long run, mm-hmm. as far as you know, appreciation index. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I thought Evangeline Lilly did a pretty good job in it too. I think she's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. Or and does I have to tell? Holly, because she never can remember who she is, Kate from Lost. Evangeline <laughs> <laughs> and Lily. Who? Kate from Lost. Oh, yeah. Although the haircut telegraphs the ending. <laughs> it does? She totally has a wasp haircut. Oh, <laughs> well. I saw that haircut right. and I thought, oh, she's going to wind up being the wasp. Well. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of went into it thinking it was a nod. I didn't expect to see her suit. I didn't expect to see... We did sound the spider warning, right? We did. That's the mid sequence <laughs> uh, credit. Okay, yeah. The end. The, the end credit the sequence. End. The very end. That was Bucky, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Caught in whatever it was. Vice. Okay. Did you have you guys looked into that at all? Nope. That was those were dailies from the. That's actually coming from. That's coming Civil from War. the film. Those, so it's not those, a special. Russo's oh, okay. gave them dailies, saying, "Here, Here you go, use, use this, this one." So we'll actually see that scene in Civil War. Okay. Yeah. That's why I, was, I, I wondered because it was like, well, the hell, we're going to skip we over the. Him? I'm going to skip I, over that whole bit of business. That's exactly why I looked into it because I thought, well, we're not going to tackle 
their side hunt for Winter Soldier at all. And then when I went and read that it was part yeah. of the dailies. That's why I had said this here. I was disappointed that we might not be seeing that. So I was really glad that yeah. it wasn't that case. There was way too much going on there, though, for them not to include that. In this. Oh, yeah. I know a guy. <laughs> I loved all the Falcon Sort of makes me too. wonder if it'll be a, a pre-open, uh, cold open. So, Which would be fine. I mean, as long as it's, you know, Was, was anybody else five just a little minutes. shocked at the, the cold open for this? Did it just... Like trailer, 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 and then he walks into this room and starts berating people. It's like, yeah. oh, the movie started, yeah. <laughs> and there were no credits. There's <laughs> yeah. no, it, and it just, it just rolled. Well, we well, got, that, the, we that's, got that's, the Marvel flip, didn't we? Yeah, or did we, we even well, get yeah. after. Yeah. That, that's a, that's after he. But that's in line with all of Phase Two. All of Phase Two, you get a pre-credit, the Marvel flip, and then most of them, aside from Age of Ultron, did not even have a title. Until oh, I didn't the realize the Marvel flip had been after on some of the other films. I believe so. Okay. <coughs> well, I, you're probably right. I, uh, I, I don't know I, I all of them, him, but because I don't know about your guys' cut, but our film, the the credits didn't even have hardly any black between the that and the film. It was like went it went fade to black, and then we're in walking into a room. Yeah, 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 was, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. No, it just there was hardly any fade. Like to black. I, I literally thought it was another trailer until I went. Wait a minute, I recognize these people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cool. There's Agent Carter. You know. Oh, they're making an Agent Carter movie. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's in this. <laughs> so, uh, again, spoilers warning has been sounded. Um, Mel had to go to the bathroom. And she waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I had to go. But I was like, ah, I think I can make it. I think I can make it. And well, she finally got up to go. She missed the two minutes of the movie that had all of the plot in it. <laughs> when... <laughs> The guy is, you know, the cops are arresting the thing, and the guy goes in front and steals their car, and then comes back and inadvertently leans on the horn, which was like, oh, cool, a callback. I wasn't expecting that. And the cop recognizes the horn, so he goes over to bust them. And then we cut back to the inside of the thing, and they reveal that the agents on the inside are Hydra. (laughs) (laughs) So she comes back, and I'm like, okay, let me see where I can go from here. And I don't remember what Ant Man was doing at the time, but he missed. She missed something with him too. I was like, "Oh, this is all well, important." Stuck in the thing. Oh, the funny thing was, Caitlin. She she kept bouncing in her seat. I said, "You go to the bathroom?" Yeah. I said, "Go go now." She said, "I don't. I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss something." She's bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Then it got to the point where he was shrinking down to the molecular level, and she goes, "I can't wait." She went. I was like, "That's the, the end of the movie." <laughs> So she left, but she came back really quick. She, I've never seen the Greek Batman. <laughs> but she came back after he goes and pops back into the room. And I go, looked at her and I said, he didn't really miss anything. He shrunk down to me like beyond the molecular. I went into the uh, quantum uh, realm and then uh, used one of the little disc things to make himself big again. And she goes, oh, okay, then I really didn't miss much. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, it was climactic, but I guess I could explain it like Six seconds. Yeah. That was not what I was expecting. No, I, when, when, when he was nice. when when he reached in and said, "Some you know, pick on somebody your own size," and threw the little doodad and shrank the guy. I went, "Oh, <laughs> I know where this is going. We're going into the quantum realm," because I assumed that because you this the uh, what was his name uh, Yellow Jacket because he got shrunk by one of these devices that he was then going to forget and attempt to use his <laughs> and shrink smaller than that and he was just going to blink out and they were going to go ha ha fooled you and it never didn't happen didn't happen didn't happen didn't happen then 
then we went the reverse with it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That works pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Not going to complain about that. Um, I think we should mention that the, the shining star of this film <laughs> was Michael Pena as Luis. <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> it was he was so dead on. And I, I read an interview with him, and he said that he actually knew a guy just like this. And he came into this role going, okay, that's who I'm going to be. I'm going to be this guy that I knew you know, on the streets. He says, this is, the guy did everything with a smile. He could give you bad news and still have a smile on his face. And he said what happened was he came in, and he had like a dozen lines. And he was like, I just want to be in a Marvel film. So they cast him, and he was in this. And then he was so great that they kept expanding his lines and, expand, and then expanding his part. And he said, eventually I had like this huge role in this film that I went in thinking I had a dozen lines. <laughs> yeah, my, well, my grandfather died, and my dad got deported. But I got the van. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Oh, man, I didn't expect so Judy good. Greer either. She's in everything this summer. Yeah. Uh, help me. She was uh, uh, Maggie, Cassie's mom. Scott's ex. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Which all the acting, I thought it was just just good. I yeah. mean, just, just top, top notch across the board. Even, even Paul Rudd, who tends to kind of play the Paul Rudd role. Kind of transcended it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, which is which is very interesting because number one, even though I could tell the new guy, the new director, um, Peyton Reed, something like that. Something Peyton like Reed. That. Peyton Reed had really kind of made this his film. You could tell. It oh yeah. But you could still see shades of uh, Edgar Wright's story in there, and even the style. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't an. You didn't go into it and go, "Wow, well, that was really an Edgar Wright film." You just simulated Edgar Wright. He didn't, but no, he didn't at all. You could see lots of shades of Edgar Wright, and, and then that's going to be obvious because Edgar Wright wrote, you know, a good chunk of the script with the other guy, and so there was still a lot of Edgar Wright to it. And I felt that that that, that Peyton Reed did a nice job of finding that middle ground of saying, "Okay, I'm going to make this my film, but I'm also going to, you know, keep a lot of that stuff, a lot yeah. of that feel." The other thing that I noticed, and what made me think about, you said he kind of transcended himself as far as Paul Rudd goes. Paul Rudd wrote a whole good chunk of this movie, too, because he's the one that that took over and and punched it up and did the Marvel changes, him and Alan... uh, Adam McKay. Adam McKay. They're the ones that that, that came in and reformed this script. And for somebody that comes in and does, you know, the acting and the writing, a lot of times you expect those, that safety net to be put in place. I'm just going to be Paul Rudd. And he wasn't. Yeah. And so to put his print on it in writing as well and still be able to take away, you know, create a different character, it was, that was pretty good. I was, I was very impressed. When considering the people that came in to take over for, Paul, or for uh, Edgar Wright, not really superhero uh, writers and directors, and they did a really good job they really did. Of I read an stepping into the new format for them because most of them are comedians. I read an interesting article that uh, Peyton Reed apparently had been offered. He, he's been wanting to do a Marvel movie forever, and he was offered the original Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. And when he went to talk with them and the studio was like, well, we want this, and he was like, no, that's that's not that, that, that's not a kid's movie. And they're like, no, that's what, that's what we want to do it. And so he walked <laughs> away from it because he, he was like, it needs to be. And in, in his words, the Fantastic Four is Marvel's crown jewel. And I went, really? <laughs> 
Because I've never, oh. se- I've never seen the Fantastic Four as anything but a B superhero team. But eh, you know, well, they really are the crown jewel because they were one of the first teams. Yeah. So. It, um, because they're one of the first. That's why, not based off storytelling. Or- but I, I, I thought it was interesting, and it's like I wonder what would have happened had he been yeah. given the opportunity to direct it. But I think the oh wow moment was when. <laughs> They're going to go to this warehouse, one of Howard Stark's <laughs> warehouses, old warehouses, to pick up this device. And the clouds clear. <laughs> oh, we got a problem here. <laughs> it's, you know that shot is the overhead shot from Avengers. They lifted it straight from Avengers. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Feige in our interview said, um, except for that shot is cut away from in Avengers before you see more of the compound behind it. And he, he said... I can't tell you what it is, but the more camp compound that you see in this is going to play a vital role in Captain mm. uh, America: Civil War. And so I thought oh, that was really cool to kind of get that <laughs> and then broaden that spectrum yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Well, the same with the opening shot of uh, of, of Shield headquarters being built. Yes, at the very uh, beginning. The, the, the te- uh, uh, what's it called? Tracillion. Tracillion, yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, the tower thing. And and the fact is, like, we just saw that get blown up in the last one. So, you know, this, <laughs> yeah. it was kind of cool that there's that. I guess it was two movies ago. Well, and I, I like that, that, that Hank was a S.H.I.E.L.D. operative and, and reluctantly working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah. just got fed up with it. I thought that was cool. Did you guys, had you been spoiled by the cameo? Yeah. Uh, uh, Anthony Mackie. Mackie yeah. yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I watched the... Um, European I, trailer. That yeah, I didn't watch the trailer. I knew he was in it, but I didn't know in what what capacity. I think maybe once upon a time I heard the casting news, but at this point I just kind of assumed well, that they're all going to show up at they, some point. So they I, didn't. They didn't release that name. It wasn't until the European uh, trailer dropped there was that a, they finally had a to put of out TV trailers that came out. Oh after well, that yeah, too. yeah, yeah, that's right. But after the, it was after the European trailer dropped that Marvel said, "Oh yeah, by the way, he's in this." Oops. <laughs> I think that that was probably a marketing team at the end going, let's see if we can bolster some get, geeks. Get some of those Avengers <laughs> fans get these guys into back there. In there. Yeah. Um, that that, I really and, the, that and all of made. the posters that they kept releasing that had him yeah, standing on. <laughs> on, on Captain America's shield and on... Was he on Thor's shoulder or was he on Mjolnir? He was on uh, Mjolnir. He was on Mjolnir. He was on Iron Man's shoulder. Iron Man's shoulder, that's what it was. Yeah. Did you see the fan one of uh, <laughs> Black Widow? No. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine where oh, he was standing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly there was a Spider-Man. Yes. There's, there's a reference. There's a reference. At yeah. the end. And it was, like, it was accidental. completely coincidental. <laughs> yeah, coincidental. It was written before. The, the uh, When Luis is recounting the story and Anthony Mackie's looking, or Anthony Mackie, <laughs> um, Falcon. Falcon is looking for Ant-Man and he's talking to right. him. She says... Well, you've got um, superheroes that um, oh. can swing from what did he say? Swing through the air and crawl up walls. She yeah. says that, and Kevin Feige said that is complete. And, and Peyton Reed confirmed it. He said that is completely coincidental. That all was written before they were just naming generic powers. before <laughs> Spider-Man came into the fold, and so it became that much more important <laughs> when <laughs> we got Spider-Man and we got. Oh, we inadvertently uh, nodded to Spider-Man. Okay, I didn't. I, 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 I took it as generic nods. I didn't take it That's as a funny. I didn't even think the Spider-Man. Really, oh, as soon as I heard it, I looked later. at Caitlin and I went, Spider-Man! <laughs> That's cool. Then. I think Michael Douglas should keep the goatee. It looks good on him. It does look good on him. You think we'll get a Hank Pym backstory movie? No. 
Good, I don't want one. Well, I don't think there's a need for one. I don't I think, think we'll anybody thinks it. there's a need for one. I think we'll delve into it more. And I think Marvel's a smart enough studio that they don't yeah. they, they don't have exact setting up there saying, okay, we got to have a Michael you know, or a, a Hank Pym backstory. They, we might see more flashbacks. I think we will in, in whatever like, sequel we get. It'd be really cool if he showed up. They did a really smart job of it. Well, that would be. That would be My prediction for us. Re unage him. Yeah, <laughs> my prediction. Well, my prediction for Ant Man Two is we're going to see that scene even more so, where the flashback to him and and um, Janet, Janet, and well, you she goes in you never because, saw her face. Cause well, they haven't she, cast her yet. She because I'm, I'm sure she's still in the quantum realm, and because time and he says time and space doesn't make a difference, bit of difference. She's probably not going to have aged either. So. Yeah, I saw. I also read an interview with. Um, Kevin, how it's going to uh, tie into yeah, Doctor Strange the, that well, way, the, too, the, with the Quantum now, Realm. As soon as they said Quantum Realm, I said, okay, there's them opening the door to, to Doctor Strange so that they're, they're working their way into Doctor Strange. Because Doctor Strange is the one that, back in the day when when they said there's going to be, a, or not even when they announced it, when they said, that, you know, this is this could be on the horizon. Because that was the one I think they spoke most seriously been, about. Kevin's been wanting to do that one for a yeah. long time. And so I thought, oh, you've got to do a lot of manipulating in order to get that. I mean, Thor was enough. <laughs> because they <laughs> explained that away with science. But, um, or, uh, yeah, or, uh, yeah. Uh, I was really concerned about Thor. I was like, how are you going to make this work? Science. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interdimensional. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I mean Thor's interdimensional. So. Yeah, which is great. But then when you start going quantum realm, and then when you're talking about like the uh, netherworld and that kind of stuff, I space don't. between oh, no. spaces. Yeah. <laughs> but that's cool. Right, it works. All right, we've talked far long enough. I didn't watch anything else this week, really. I watched Ghost Light the other day because I wanted to catch up and make sure I was ready for Curse of Fenric next week. We watched Mission Impossible Two. Continuing our watch of gearing up for those, I've always been a. a, a I think I was one of like three people that were like, "Oh man, no, I like. Mission, I think they get better with each. You know, I like Mission Bell. And for some reason, I, I just haven't watched this one in a long time. And watching it this time, it's like, wow, this one's really dated. Yeah, <laughs> it's very nineties. The soundtrack, the John Woo, the, the oh, there's the dub shot. Okay, it just it didn't hold up nearly as well for me as I thought it would. It, it's still a good movie, but it's back not. When, back when John Woo like was it. first doing those kind of movies, it, it felt new and fresh. But now that you've seen so many of those John Woo-style films that, that, that dominated the 90s, it, that's what makes it feel really yeah. dated. Yeah, it's. I think it's the weakest of all the films, which is funny because I had never seen Mission Impossible 3 until my rewatch last year, two years ago, when Ghost Protocol came out. On DVD, obviously, it came out three years ago. But um, so I hadn't seen three, but I hadn't seen three because I had never heard. Because I I remember liking Mission Impossible two, and I didn't hear much about Mission Impossible three. It really wasn't talked up. There was it was very low key. I didn't hear any reviews or anything. So I thought, oh, it just must not be as good as two, and it couldn't live up to it. And then when I did the rewatch and I watched three, I went, "This is a much better film than Mission Impossible <laughs> two. It feels like Mission Impossible again." And then, yeah, and then of course I watched Ghost Pro- Protocol. And I, I, to me, I think that's that's still the best. One. It's the best one, and, and which is weird to say that the fourth film in a line of movies is, <laughs> is the best one because that's Usually rarely it's not. the case. It's um, yeah, no, it was just it's it's weird that you get um, Stacy. 
you, you get a film like that. And I, like I said, I, because they changed everything. Well, we're going to get John. We're going to do this because I, I, I kind of feel like mission impossible didn't hit the market that paramount maybe wanted it to hit in the, the first one. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we're going to really up the action quotient and all of the and changes they do. they do, but all of the changes that they made to it to up the action quotient, I think are what hinder it. it it's really <laughs> weird that it's, it's just this, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. And then you go back and watch it and go, no, yeah, no, this wasn't it at all. It feels the, it feels the least like an, a Mission Impossible yeah. film, which is funny because at the time that you see it, you've only got one thing to compare it to. <laughs> but then when you see three, you go, okay, this feels more like the first film. This yeah. is what the second film should have felt like. And then you see four and go, okay, they're still in that same mode. Then you go, okay. That's the least like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, but all the motorcycle stuff, and, you know, it's just like, yeah, this is cool. And you watch it this time, it's like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's been so overshadowed by all the crazy stunt stuff that's come since then. But, I mean, I know that's Tom Cruise on a motorcycle. I'm still impressed by that. But, yeah. It's, and we'll get Tom Cruise on the side of an airplane. <laughs> okay. exactly did, did, you, did you guys get the preview uh-huh. for that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tom Cruise doesn't age. He's one of those guys that just, he looks like he's still maybe five years away from Top Gun. He's like 10th level in Scientology, and they quit aging at that point. So. <laughs> Until he comes out and says, hi, I'd like to show you a clip. And I went, whoa. <laughs> well, that's because. No makeup here, Tom. <laughs> that's because rumor is he's leaving Scientology, and so that aging's catching it's, up. It's all, it, all, it all hit him at once. I don't know what the deal was. It was like, because I've been saying, Tom has not aged. You look at him in Edge of Tomorrow or Oblivion, or he still looks the same. He has not changed at all. And then all of a sudden in this, I want to show you this trailer of this film. I was like. Well, that's because that's <laughs> him in real life, and all the rest is movie magic. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I think he has a contract that says, you have to make me look the same age I did in the last film. And he's had that contract for 15, 20 years. And so. That's he, why the budgets on his films are so yeah. big, because it costs so much money to make him look so young. He very wisely gave Two-thirds up Two-thirds of the money for the film go into making Tom look young. Yeah. Very wisely gave up the green M&Ms in the trailer <laughs> in exchange for the age clause. Uh, yeah, no, I was flabbergasted when that came up. I was like, Tom, what happened? I mean, don't get me wrong. I still hope to look as good as Tom Cruise when I'm his age, but won't happen. How old is he? What, 50? Probably in his 50s? He's in his 50s. I'm going to say 55. 55. Well, <laughs> I, should, I, I should throw my guess up when I think that uh, Keith's going to go look it up, and then he stops. <laughs> well, yes, 55. I got it. <laughs> Born in 62. <clears throat> oh, there's math involved now, Keith. Hold on. This is 20, 56. No. 62, 53. Three. 53. Isn't that crazy? Tom Cruise is 53. That's just... He's like 10 years older than me. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> it's still insane to me. I remember being much younger than I should have been when I watched it and seen Risky Business. And at that time, he was probably in his 20s. So, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, that was that's really. We watched The Imitation Game. Ooh, Benedict. It was really good. <sighs> okay, I was about you said Benedict because I was going, oh, that sounds so familiar. Oscar oh, yeah. nominated. And. Uh, here in the elf girl, yeah, yeah. The, the elf, elf girl. girl. She looks like an elf. She looks like a real. She looks like a real Evangelina Lily. No, no. <laughs> she doesn't look like an elf, although she does in the film and the Hobbit films. But no, I've always thought I, she's a pretty girl. See, Don't get me wrong, that, but she kind of has an elfish look. Liv Taylor is an elf. Tyler, Liv Tyler is an elf. She was an elf in the movie. <laughs> no, she is an elf in real life. 
because there's, there's oh, no, Steven Tyler's there, Well, that's what I mean, though. Is you look at well, Steven, he's not an elf. You look at Steven Tyler, and then you look at her, and it's like <laughs> elf magic. That's the only <laughs> yeah. thing that can explain that. Thank God she takes he's after a her bit mom. of an ogre, though. He's like a thin ogre or a gremlin. <laughs> a goblin. Oh, goblin. goblin. Yeah. Goblin. Elf magic. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, he doesn't look anything like David Bowie. Or, or the butt of several jokes from the Tommy Wiley publisher. The only thing that the two of them have in common is they both look like women. <laughs> it's true. Dude looks like a lady. And I think they wear scarves. Maybe. He wears a lot of scarves. He does. I don't know if she does. I was just about to say <laughs> the same thing. Well, Steven does. I don't know if I can name a time when I've seen her with a scarf. Anyways, Imitation Game was really good. Oh, it's it's one of those movies also that has those. Oh, hey, look, it's that guy. Mm. Uh, Charles Dance is in it. Mark Strong. Charles Dance is Tywin Lannister. Oh, okay. Uh, you got to give me the names. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, you know yeah. who Mark Strong is, right? No. Um, At our age, it all just kind of falls <laughs> Actor, actor. Hodor! I know Hodor! <laughs> Mark Strong is not in Game of Thrones. 20 years ago, I could have... Oh, yeah! Uh, boom, boom, boom. Be, now pre, it's Pre-stroke, you'd have said Mark Strong, and I could have played I Six mean, Degrees of Seven Bacon with him. Seven Bacon? Oh, that game. <laughs> I haven't um, even... Uh, Sherlock Holmes, Tinker Taylor, Winter, uh, uh, Soldier Spy, uh, uh, Kingsman. Kingsman. Yeah, okay. I just because we just watched uh, we just watched that again. He's been in a lot of stuff. He always kind of plays a bad guy. He was I haven't even had a stroke, and I can't. I have no <laughs> recollection of names. Although I have no recollection of names anyway. So it's and it's also got the guy who played Ozymandias in Watchmen. Oh, oh, I, I'm, I'm glad he's still getting work. Yeah. I like him. <laughs> he looks completely different. It's the last thing a, I ever saw him with his natural brunette hair. And he doesn't look like Ozymandias. Brown. <laughs> Brown. 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 I, I learned most recently that that men do are never brunettes. Oh, it's only, only women. Woman. Yeah. Oh. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> law. I, it's just the way it I is. I think it's in the Constitution. I know. <laughs> All right, I'll buy that. <laughs> and of course, Benedict does a phenomenal job in it. Uh, a rather inspiring but kind of somber uh, story of what happened. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Benedict kind of does do a, at, at first, feels very, oh, look, he's Sherlock. <laughs> uh, then he kind of moves past that and stretches his acting chops a little bit more than Sherlock lets him. Well, speaking of Sherlock, that. real quick, so everybody saw the trailer. Oh, the, the clip? The clip? Yeah. From the, uh, the special. The, the Sherlock Christmas special? Uh, you can talk about it, huh? It looks good, <laughs> and 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 the best part of it was was I knew the, it was there. I just hadn't sought it out yet. It, it's 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 everybody wearing Victorian or Edwardian. What is it? I think it's Victorian. It's Victorian. Victorian. They it's were written good. in the Edwardian. Okay. Well, part of them were Victorian. Some of them were Edwardian. But they're wearing oldy time. Doyle is from Edwardian <laughs> times, but yeah, uh, Sherlock is from Victorian. What, whatever era the BBC does really well, Victorian. It's that. <laughs> And uh, 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 Martin Freeman's got the big, you know, period handlebar mustache and uh, a nice line. I've seen pictures, so you're not spoiling it, anything. It's there. funny. And then the, the the best bit is the tag at the end when it comes up and says, <laughs> "Sherlock, coming soon." Ish. Ish. <laughs> oh, ish. It actually says "ish" on the tag. 
Soonish or Sherlockish? Soonish. 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 Coming soon. It's Christmas special. It's gonna come out. Oh, we, they, they, they haven't said it's especially sure. Christmas. They I'm have sure. not com- uh, announced that. We've all it. called it a Christmas special. BBC has not confirmed that. They just said it's a special. Because well, they may the not last, get it out for Christmas. Last time Sherlock aired was uh, New Year's. Yeah, New Year's it was. Day. So it might be a New Year's special. Yeah. I don't want to compete with Doctor Who. Well, yeah. If they're smart. <laughs> they put both the same night. But back to back. You think Moffat's just going, give me the day. <laughs> I own Christmas. Uh, I did watch the... I just blinked on the name of it. The, the panel they do at the Zach Levi panel. The Sherlock one. I just it's for a charity. I just blanked on it. Exactly by Sherlock panel. But that's not the name of it? No, it's uh Conversations for a Cause with Nerd HQ. The Sherlock wow. one of that was really enjoyable. I highly recommend going and watch it. They don't really talk much about what's going on in the special. They just talk about the show in general. It's really good. That's what I've been doing. Also. <laughs> While playing Lego Hobbit, watching all the Nerd HQ <laughs> working on them, yeah. I guess I do watch a little more Clone Wars. Where are you at? You can get any done this week. I didn't watch uh, any this week, dude. No, we had intended to watch um, Rebels this week too, and I think it did. I, I got two words for you: <clears throat> zombie termites. Oh <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you can give me succinct little things. <laughs> <I can, laughs> oh yeah, that one. <laughs> I also hung some pictures, finally. I, I saw, saw your uh, picture on... Uh, Stealing my thunder. Well, <laughs> a little bit. I showed Belle the picture. She went, that's not our house. <laughs> Who's, whose house is that? I don't, oh, those are Keith's autographs, aren't they? And those are the only the only the who ones. I haven't got to the other ones yet. I think I've... Have I talked on the show about our walls? How they're plaster walls? Oh. So I've been waiting to hang anything. Because we have picture rail mold, picture rail molding, so I need to get picture rail hooks and wire to hang them there. But that that stairway that I have them hanging on isn't doesn't have picture rail molding. So I just went ahead and Are your picture is going to be with the strings all the it's way. It's going to gonna the be uh, invisible string. Sorry, I, it's hope, your house. I'm, it's, I'm, it'll, hoping, I'm sure it'll look great. Keith. I'm I hoping just, you won't be able to see it because I, I don't just, like the cord either. Oh, I hate that. Oh, just put a nail in the wall. Well, I want to try to avoid it with when plaster. It's plaster, as much you have to be careful because it's hard. If you, it, you can with a plaster, you well, you almost have to drill a anchor hole and use a screw. The problem with that is it's great because it's precise and concise and you don't damage the wall. Except for when you're ready to take it down, you got a big old giant hole because, yeah. or, a, or an anchor in the wall because you've used a, an anchor and a screw. Luckily, the nails I, were <laughs> use, I, w- I was using for plaster walls are, the uh, was, autographs are really small nails. So just, just, just use penny nails. Well, it's, they'll pull out. If, if there's any weight to them all, they'll put yeah. Them luck, luck, luck of the autographs. None of those, are not, none not of those frames. If, if you if you get those frames, none of them are going to be. I wouldn't no, even get penny don't nails. Hang I'd, like get the, uh, I, I don't I'd get sheet rock nails. Not sheet rock. Uh, no, not those. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what are the little tiny? <laughs> the ones that are smaller than penny nails that they, it actually get you get in um, build furniture kits. You know that you yeah, get that that's, last that's piece on the back. That's pretty much what I've been using. That, that's even smaller than a penny nail. That's what I would use. And I hung one in the hallway. Because there's no, I, it just occurred to me while I was hanging those that oh look, there's no rail uh, here either. So I'm gonna have to just. So I hung my brown coat one in the hallway. Didn't take a picture of that one. And our curtain. Sarah's excited about our curtain on the door. Oh, you got Adrian up. 
Uh, temporarily. That's not the, that's not his permanent uh. residence spot, but because that one has to be one of these pictures versus one of these pictures. Oh. So, but yeah, he's up. Anything else? You guys do anything else? No. Nope. I thought I had something else that I watched that I wanted to talk about, but for like me, I can't think of it. So it's like, yeah, not no. important. I've been just. I haven't even had. I haven't even felt like watching anything. I feel like the, the Ant Man was one of those things that I was like, I got to see it opening weekend. This is my only window, and I really. I was at the point where I was just feeling so bad. I thought, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. And, but I went and just a movie. <laughs> I don't have to move much. <laughs> yeah, I haven't felt like anything all weekend. Well, uh, the other thing we did, I, now that I think about this, we, this, was gonna, this could have ended up being horrible for me. But We moved better. the Cadenza off the roof and cleaned no, the gutter. But we, we, <laughs> oh, Sunday morning we got up and went to uh, the U-Haul place. And with my mother-in-law and rented a 23-foot long U-Haul and drove it clear up to Jackson County out in the middle of the country <laughs> where we met a sheriff's deputy because she's, for the last two years, she's been storing her some of her stuff with this guy up there. And he's this guy's a real jackpot. He just, mm-hmm. oh, he's crazy. He's got, like, cancer. And she wants to get her stuff from him before kicks it because he doesn't she doesn't want to go into probate and so she's been paying this guy for like two years trying to pay him off for all her storage space and the county clerk told her that all she had to do was take her paperwork from the court because the judge had she'd taken him to court for it and the judge said you got to pay him x amount of money and on the and then he'll give you he has to give you his stuff that was the that was the judgment and so she's been paying him over the course of like two years. And she finally got it paid off. She had her last check. And the clerk of the court said, yeah, just take this paper and that last check. Hand it to him. He has to give you your stuff. So we went out there. And because the guy's nuts, we had met a sheriff's, Jackson County Sheriff's deputy out there. So we went out there. And she got there. And this guy just, he was like, no, she owes me 10000 I mean, just nuts. And, the, and <laughs> the sheriff's deputy was trying to talk to him and say, listen, she's got this paperwork. Can you just give her her stuff? You know, that way you're not worried, worried about it anymore. He says, no, I have to have $10,000. And he says, well, nowhere in this thing does it say that she has to owe you. She says, it's, it looks like she, she's got all the canceled checks. Come to find out, he didn't even cash any of the checks. <laughs> so, but he said, well, you know, she's got paperwork. Will you just give, him, give her her stuff? And he was like, well, and then he started changing the story. Well, I've got them all in the back there, and I've got padlocks, and I don't have the keys. I mean, it just changed the story. Like, to, and the sheriff's deputy finally said, he, he took us aside and said, I can't do anything about it. I get the, the paperwork you have has does not have a judge's stamp that declares the order. Mm-hmm. And she, he said, you're going to have to go back and get this. And my mother-in-law was devastated because she's got stuff in there that she's had for years. And she wants it back. Anyway, it was, just, it was this huge mess. So she's got to go back to court with the guy and get this. But we had driven all the way out there with this big old long truck, and we had to come all the way back into town. Luckily, she went up to the U-Haul, and they refunded her most of her money. But, but she was pretty devastated about it. But I kept thinking, this is a blessing and a curse, because I'd rather have gotten this stuff for her, but I would have been in just so much pain after all oh, yeah. So we did all that and, and, and didn't manage to get that back. But anyway, it's kind of a tragic story now that I tell it. But and there was nothing funny about it all, because this guy was really horrible to her, but... Anyway, Jeez. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. keep us surprised of how that turns out. Once she gets <laughs> well, then to make things worse, we get back. Well, I don't want to make it worse. We pick so. the kids up, and poor Mason, he's been looking forward to this uh, Cub Scout squimming thing all week long, all week long. 
they're getting ready to go because Holly was going to take the kids up there to visit the North Pole, which is one of their favorite places to go. And <laughs> she gets on her email just before she leaves, and they had canceled it. Oh. And he was he just started crying. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. She says, we're still going to go swimming. <laughs> so she said, they, they moved it till next week. It's going to be at the North Pole next week. She said, can we go to Gage Blaisdell so we don't have to go clear up to North Topeka? Yeah. And Mason said, yeah, that would be okay. It would be okay. So he ended up getting to go swimming. So Aww. she took him swimming Sunday night. But I thought, how can this day get any worse? Jeez. We that cannot, one had a good, good. That one did have a good, <laughs> a good ending, ending. <laughs> which we could not record. <laughs> well, I, uh, and then last night I was I was in so much pain, and I almost texted you guys and said, um, "I wish you would have, because this? I hate being the one to say well, I, I can't do it." This it was one of those. Had I waited another thirty minutes, I was going to, and then your text came in, and I went, oh, "Okay, well, that's not a problem." <laughs> We just by the time we got done with Ant Man and then we took everybody out to eat and everything, it was just the the night was getting on. It was just like so. Anyway, that's why we're recording <laughs> late, late this week. So you'll, you'll notice this one will be on your. Uh, it's not, not not John. Uh, it's not your fault. It would have been my fault. So we'll share. It would have happened regardless. Yeah, would happen anyway. So we're, this one's coming out late this week. All, yeah. Okay. Although I think our <laughs> I listeners, kinda, are, our listeners, are, <laughs> our listeners are starting to expect to get <laughs> shows now on Tuesday or Wednesday from us. Should we move on to news? Yes. Let's do it. Some sad news following Glenn's sad stories. Oh. <laughs> we uh, bring it down there, Bartlett. <laughs> we got us in the 10 o'clock news aspect for these two okay. stories. Uh, was that a mood changer? Did that work? Yeah, the transitional. Uh, unfortunately, the oldest surviving actor to have worked on Doctor Who has passed away at the age of 101. Olaf Pooley. He was director Stallman. In the seven-part story, Inferno. Well, that's some sad news. He was the crazy um, <gasps> scientist. Yeah. Not the military guy, but the scientist guy. The scientist. Right? Yeah, okay. And then also who passed away, actor Michael Hawkins, uh, who played General Williams in Frontier in Space, which we just recently watched. Um... He actually passed away late last year in October, but word never spread to anybody in the Who community really? that he had passed. Kind of shocking. Just came out this past week. So Last October? Yeah. Hmm. So those are your sad news. Here's something a bit more exciting. And now for something completely different. We recently uh, talked about... Big Finish doing Torchwood stories and speculated of who might be on there. And Yanto is getting a story. Yay! Yay! So it's called Fall to Earth. Okay. <laughs> um, it is Gareth. Uh, it is Gareth, isn't it? Gareth? Gareth Lloyd, isn't it? Gareth Lloyd. Yeah. David Lloyd. David yeah. Lloyd? No, Gareth, Gareth Lloyd. Gareth, Gareth David Lloyd. Gareth yeah, David okay. Lloyd. Is, uh, is he... All of it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's coming back. He's to coming back Yanto. to play Yanto. Okay, yeah. well then, then I'm okay. And he's good. bringing all three names with him. <laughs> uh, so he will show up in Fall to Earth. And following on from John Barrowman's return as Captain Jack in The Conspiracy. So this is the second story of this Torchwood line. 
I'm not going to say any details because I don't know any details about the actual story. <laughs> just because I don't want to spoil her. Oh, you have the details. You just I I, I could search them out, but I'm not going to. I'll make a I'll look. Hang on. Pleasant change for you, <laughs> won't it? That's okay, Keith. I'll sound the spoiler alarm. Speaking of spoilers, did you see that uh, Alex Kingston got married? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations to her. Did you see that? Unfortunately, off the was, market. Did you see a certain doctor was in the pre- in the I did audience? Not. Yeah, there was a picture of Matt Smith at the wedding, which is pretty cool. Congratulations, Alex. That's it for news. Shall we move on to feedback? Yes, please. Is that what you're looking at me? <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. I'm sorry, gang. I have not done anything this week, including playing Legacy. So there is no tip of the week again. I haven't played game. it either. So. Of course, I think I'm the... No, that's not true. As I say, I was the only one that's... Lynn did a tip, but you had a tip. I had a tip. Not including the don't lose your iPad. <laughs> don't lose your iPad. <laughs> not including that one. Log in. Get your, get your bonus. I haven't even been doing that. I've been a bad Doctor Who Legacy fan. Mel's been playing a lot. <laughs> like, she plays in the morning when she gets to work. She plays on her lunch break. She plays when she gets home. She's the one that's reminding me, have you logged in yet? <laughs> oh, yeah, i got to go do that. You know, and I, I jump on, and she's like, and she's asking me, who, who does who does this? I say, what are you stuck on? Because I need somebody that can unlock gems. We can do the first Doctor. Only up to a certain point. Or you can do... Uh, um, well, anybody that resets, resets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Santa Claus resets. Oh, I forgot Santa. Santa does reset, doesn't he? I had the the, the flesh person and. Uh, oh yeah, one of the gangers does. Um, oh, who was the other one? Anyway, yeah. So I was giving her giving her <laughs> tips for that so that she could go in there and get rid of some stuff because she she was having she, she was, so she was Mel, swearing. Mel got a twit tip of the week this week. Mel got a tip of the week. <laughs> She was swearing. She was like, I, 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 it's stupid. I hate it for lock. I don't mind it when they lock it and I can still move it. But when it's locked, locked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, there's a perk that you can use for that, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's actually catching up. I've, I've been, I've, the one thing, I've been kind of stuck in a rut again because I've been trying to unlock uh, the, the, uh, the Triceratops. I went back to, 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 to three and... Um, because I've only had like three or four characters left to get out of that that wave, and I keep playing that level, and I keep playing it, and I keep playing it, and I can't get this dumb dinosaur to drop, <laughs> and it's just infuriating me. So, you went to get the buffer for the increased drop rates. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's a rare drop. Ooh. Well, yeah, but that buffer should help. You would think. <laughs> the odds are not in his favor. What I find myself doing is going and playing, you know, bulk, you know, bulk up levels, uh, experience levels. And then when I get that little treasure chest up there, that little buffer, I go, oh, <laughs> I haven't lately, but because I have got everything. But then I'd go somewhere where I needed something, and then I go uh, and play. And, and I don't, there's no guarantee. You don't always get it, but I always figure my chances are, Your odds are that better much there. better. Yeah. You know? Yeah, how about, how about feedback? Maybe feedback. Ollie writes, The Roof of the World and Three's a Crowd. Hey guys, wow. I have to say I really enjoyed these two audio stories. It was great to have another two stories with Araman, even though she does get the short end of the stick in The Roof of the World with being taken over and then pairing the Doctor having to deal with the fallout 
from that and three's a crowd. Not too much else to say except that I enjoyed them. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on these two audio stories. Holly from Wisconsin. Just jumped right in there, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. Next up in feedback is Chrissy. Chrissy writes, Three's a crew. Dear Vortex Boys, when you guys were talking about how you'd never met any of us five-ish fangirls, I was ready to jump on Facebook and go, What about Galley? So it's a good thing that Sean remembered, and you have met Mitch as well, don't forget. But I'm glad that Glenn got his giveaway package, and more importantly, for all your support in plugging our podcast on your podcast. Not to get all mushy and sentimental, but we really do take a lot of inspiration and motivation for what you three do, so thank you for that. Chris, I'm very sorry that you (laughs) take your, your, your inspiration from us. Sounds like you guys had a great time at British Fest. Technical user issues notwithstanding, but on the flip side, we have something new to cheese Sean about. Very lovingly, of course. Enough tangents. Time for reviews. <coughs> the Roof of the World. This is a story that should not work. There are so many things going on. The historical setting, the callbacks to Black Orchid, the backstory with Aramim, and everything going on with her. It's a pretty full narrative. Yet, somehow, it still meshes together for a fantastic through line with Aramim at the center. One of the many things I love about Big Finish is how they take the new companions and flesh them out in ways that the classic series rarely, if ever, did. And even some of the classic companions that get that too. But I'm glad they take characters unique to Big Finish like Aram and give her a story to explore where she came from and why she's traveling with the Doctor and how she feels about it. Especially where, there's a char- where she's a character from a historical time period and we get a chance to deal with that as well. The best part is that we get so many layers to Aram's character and we get to know and love her, which helps us connect with her in future stories. The Doctor and Perry don't get left behind in the narrative either, though, because while there's a full episode part of this story dedicated to Aram's not death, we also get to go back to the real world where the Doctor and Perry are trying to deal with the situation in Tibet and all the crazy weirdness going on there now and how that circles back and relates to Aram's plight. This is a story that I can listen to over and over again and find new things to think about and be entertained by. Three's a crowd. This is another one I've listened to multiple times, and I absolutely adore it. I love the concept of this colony of people who've been brought up to think that contact with other human beings is strange and unusual. It's equal parts humorous and tragic, something that you can easily make fun of, which this story does, but also doesn't take the humor too far, and it paints these people as victims of a terrible circumstance, with Auntie trying to help them out the best she can. The only thing I could probably complain about is by the end of the story, I want to slap Bellop even though seven ways to Sunday for how whiny and annoying she is. There's a reason for it, yes, but it's still grating. I also love that this story follows right on the heels of Roof of the World, and we're still dealing with the fallout from the events of that story and how Aram feels about traveling with the Doctor. She and Perry are quickly becoming dear friends, not unlike Tegan and Nyssa when they were traveling with the Doctor. Also, did you notice the quick nod to the Doctor's acknowledgement of his parting with Tegan? (laughs) It's a little moment at the beginning when he's recalling a few of his past companions, and he suddenly gets sad at the mention of Tegan's name. Anyway, I could gush on and on about these two stories, but I'll let you guys get on with your discussion. Unless you didn't like these stories. Cough, Glenn. Cough, cough. (laughs) And then I will simply ignore you. I don't know. Glenn tends to not like the stories I love. It's just a difference of taste there, but I guess it happens. That's it for me. Everyone have a great week. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Well, shall we move on to our reviews? 
<laughs> the roof of the world. Tibet. 1917. It's a time of great exploration with intrepid teams of adventurers heading blindly into uncharted territory, determined to beat inexplicable odds and overcome any challenge they encounter. But some things are not necessarily that easy to defeat. An ancient evil, perhaps older than time itself, is stirring deep within the heart of the Himalayas. It has always known it will return and finish off what it started so many centuries before. But the time has to be right. As the TARDIS materializes with the Doctor determined to take full advantage of an invite to a cricket match, the catalyst that Dark Force needs unwittingly arrives. Dun, dun, dun! I'll go first. Go. I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. It was kind of a middle-of-the-road story for me. There were a lot of elements, as Chrissy pointed out, that were very, very, very enjoyable, including <laughs> Aramem's backstory. Yay! Because I love Aramem. Um, I love the relationship between her and Perry. I was a little bit concerned when we sat down on Earth <laughs> in <laughs> the past. Victorian one. Or Victorian era. <laughs> it was kind of like, oh, we're going to do another historical. Oh, oh, okay. It's going to be Black Orchid again. <laughs> <laughs> It was nice that there was a tie-in, too. <laughs> yeah. Not even so much that, but just, you know, I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be worth But I don't, I don't know why, because the last Aramum in Space story that we got, I really hated, so I maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have been yeah, really yeah. excited for this. But um, they, I thought they did a great job with it. I Both of the, I don't know, maybe I was just in a nostalgic mood, because I really felt that both of these stories, I was really angling for some, some, some callbacks to the characters. We're in Tibet. Yeah. All right. I'm so glad that we did all this great intelligence stuff Especially recently. I expected that. that to be the case. And then uh, it doesn't show up. I was like, oh. Okay. I mean, don't worry the great old ones. Okay, that's still cool. Um, and I'll come back to that here in a moment when we get to the second review. <laughs> but I just, um, I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was really cool. And there was a, for, I don't know about you guys, there was a genuine sense of peril. Now, when they killed Aramum at the end of the first episode and she was like dead, dead, I was kind of like... Well, okay, obviously she's not dead, dead. But then the doctor was dead, and Perry was dead. <laughs> well, you spend that whole second episode with her, with Airman, through whatever she was going through. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, this is, it's such a step away from what you're kind of expecting. Yeah, that I mean, everybody's trippy. dead. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So we get through that, and then we come back to the doctor's half of uh, the doctor and Perry doing their business and kind of getting all. And I like all, how all that happened in a split second. Yeah. And so coming then to the to the fourth segment, when they finally get in the TARDIS and go up the mountain and track down Aramum, and she's she's been blinded, and she's been this, she's, and I was like, ooh. Like, I was like, okay, this, this could have some ramifications here. This yeah. doesn't sound like it's just a, oh, I'm chained to the wall, help. I mean, this <laughs> something really bad has gone down. Um, but then, of course, we kind of get our standard wrap-up happy ending. Um, I really liked how... The doctor just kind of gives up trying to do the getting up the mountain and just like, all right, everybody pile into the TARDIS. We're just going to do this. I'm not going to explain it. We're just going to go. Just, <laughs> and, and, so unusual that, for that, Doctor Who. Yeah, and that helped sell the peril Araman was in. Yeah. That he is so concerned about here that he needs to get up there right away. We can't wait. And his his throwaway comment about 
the watching the bewildered expressions as part of the fun of it, you know, or, or <laughs> however he had that worded, it was just like, this is totally a new who writer that put this one together. <laughs> who is this guy? Look, yeah, but it just, it, it felt very, you know, yes, yes, bigger on the inside, all that. Yeah. <laughs> just going to, we're going to roll right on with it. And for the fifth doctor, that's kind of a, cause that's something that, you know, we didn't get in black orchid, which could have resolved so much so quickly yeah. for a two part episode. It was like, you could have had this wrapped up in 15 minutes. If you just said, <laughs> go inside the box and you didn't do it. So it was, it was fun that we got to that and was like, okay, yeah. But no, I, I, it was a lot of fun. It was it was not what I was expecting going into it. And I, I think that, um, you know, it played to its strengths for it me. It takes which a lot of cool. twists and turns, which helps the story a lot, too. Because where it part one begins and you kind of had that expectation. And then once you kind of, once it kind of starts telling you of, yes, that's what this story is going to be, it takes a left turn and does something different. Yeah. And then it goes into trippy mode and... You think that's what the story's going to be, and then it comes back and kind of zigs and zags all over the place. Yeah. I I, I, I do wish we'd have gotten just a little bit more of Aramim's father and how he was able to trap these things and, yeah. you know, kind of come. It, it felt almost in a way like Tooth and Claw, where we get this, you know, the, this, the telescope was designed specifically for this, and this guy knew it, but we don't quite get the full-blown explanation yeah. there at the end. It was just kind of this nebulous thing. Or even what the great old ones really were. Yeah. And even the doctor's kind of dismissive of them at that point. He's just like, I've heard this before. You're you're, <laughs> you're, you're invading monsters. You're stuck here. Okay, let's it's, move on. It's very Fordian is what the story yeah. is. I mean, it's yeah. just like, eh, it's an anomaly explained away by something other than science that, or that science has quite, hasn't quite Explained away. It's yeah. I, I really kind of enjoyed that. But I did. It's, it's interesting because the elements that I should be just like, oh, they didn't explain it. Instead, I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I was just having a good time listening to well, it. And they focus more. Had they focused on the monster heavier in the story, and we wouldn't got those answers to be one thing. But because we were so focused on Aramim throughout the story, and the monster is kind of the background, kind of causing things but you don't have to delve into the monster too much i think that's why it, it why you can kind of go eh, oh whatever yeah because you're so focused on aramim as a character and her growth um quite enjoyable i like the dual layer of the story I like how we started out you know everybody together in the first one aramim dies then we've got aramim's experience the trippy part <laughs> and um really had no idea where they were going I, I kind of I had suspected that uh, whatever was contact well Lord Davy and and Lord Davy form was whatever was contacting her I, I figured was connected to the anomaly that they were seeing on the mountain um, but I thought it was really good and and it, it, it th- this was the perfect vehicle to kind of explore Araman's backstory yeah. and kind of explain about her father Amatep is that who her father was Amatep the second and. To wasn't that a video game? Yeah. Imhotep. Imhotep. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> um, but to, to to go about it that direction, and all of the 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 misguiding and the uh, misdirection that that the entity was creating, and even to the point where he was manifesting Perry and the Doctor in such a way that he would. This is the way that he convinced her to kind of. Ex, be completely accepting of taking on, you know, taking this entity 
and, and being the key, unlocking what the yeah. entity needed to, to to fully escape, entities needed to fully escape. But that that was really cool, and it was clever to kind of then in that third part just swing back to where the Doctor and Perry were at this point in the story, and I, I agree with the the whole just. Get it done. Get in the TARDIS and go. You know, it was just, <laughs> and you're right. It, it really. I didn't even consider this until you said it, Keith. It, that it really show, drove home his concern for Araman. Yeah. And at that point, you know, that was kind of a little fist punching. This guy going, "Yeah, just do it. Just go, just, just go." Well, and consequently, when you get this parade of the entity in part two talking about how, oh, you're worthless and nobody wants you and nobody likes you and blah, 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 blah. Then they pull the rug out from under you in the third part. When you get this really, it feels genuine moment between the doctor and Perry where he's like going, I may have made a mistake. And oh, she's yeah. kind of berates yeah. him and he's yeah. like, what? No, I, I thought I thought you and I could talk and I could be honest with you and say maybe this is. And I went, I mean, my jaw at the floor is like, whoa, that's a heavy character moment for the doctor. And good for you, and shame on you, Perry, and yeah. And then it turned out that was the monster. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so, it was a bold move and a not bold move at the same time. Yeah, it totally it, paid off. Yeah. That, and when he walked in the room, he went, oh, this is awkward. And I went, oh, <laughs> I, I fell for it. I did, too, with a client sinker. Um, the thing that I really, really, uh, this trumps everything about this story. The story was great. It was a lot of fun. It was very intense. It was, it, I, in fact, when I got to the fourth part, I thought I didn't feel like I had listened to a four part, four no, part story. Really I was didn't. like, this just thing clipped along. It was so good. So interesting. But I think the absolute, the, the thing that rakes this the highest, in my opinion, was for one thing and one thing only. Perry delivers the best description of the doctor. And I don't mean the fifth doctor. I mean the doctor <laughs> than I have ever heard before when she says he worries about several things a minute, forgets an equal amount every hour, figures out the solution to the problem even before he knows what the question is and only realizes things before it's too late when he knows there's enough time to fix them. I That was I just I got chill I got chills just reading it again. <laughs> I got chills listening to her say it because I thought no writer has more aptly described the Doctor yeah. in the history of Doctor Who. Yeah. That was just <laughs> monumental in my opinion. That will that will always be my description of the Doctor now. Anytime I ever have to p- paint a picture of the Doctor, that will be my it's description. It's better than that whole fire and ice bit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and that's saying something because yeah, I like that absolutely. bit a lot. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. Uh, just it was – Amazing, and because, like I say, it doesn't just hit on the fifth doctor; it's it hits doctor. on every doctor. Should we maybe have given this a little stronger of a done and out? I don't know. That, 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 <laughs> now that I'm listening to all of his gush, I'm kind of going. I, should have. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, well, I thought to... I thought Perry was great in the story too. Oh, Perry is so and Nicola Bryant did yeah. such a good job in in both the second part where she's being vile, and you. Well, you walk away from that scene going, God, I don't like Perry now. She's mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. And then 
the flip side of and it. And then being very relieved three, that it wasn't really Perry. Yeah, and then in episode three, or part three, where you see how much she cares for Aram and such a great performance and so well written for Perry. Well, and that, It gives and Perry so much more depth than I think she's ever gotten before. That and how angry she gets when she when the fake doctor comes in. Yeah. And yeah. he's starting to, you know, express his doubts and, and you know, uh, you, can, you know, every once in a while I expose a chink in my armor. And my first thought when I heard that was, Okay, this is different, but I suppose so. I was falling into it, so I suppose that you can have that, you know, every once in a while. But then, as he continued to go on, I kept thinking, "There's something wrong here. There's <laughs> something very wrong." And at about the same time that I think Perry was getting really, really irate, <laughs> the real doctor walked in, and I thought, oh, "Good, <laughs> there's the doctor." <laughs> I, I love. Perry and Aramim's relationship. I love yeah. that they feel very much like sisters, but completely different from the sisterly relationship that Nissa and Tegan had. Because it's not mm, on yeah. the same level at all. And I, I, I don't know how to explain it other than just they're 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 you know, they're becoming these great siblings that and yet aren't. I don't know. Well, Nissa and Tegan are almost sisters that are begrudgingly friends. And Perry and Aramim are more like sisters who are genuinely friends. Maybe that's it. Like yeah. almost almost more like a twin relationship as opposed to an older and younger. Yeah. Even though Perry does play the older role in it, but they just seem so like they've been together for so long and mesh on so many levels that they're just like really well Maybe it's a sister and stepsister comparison. Tegan and Nissa are stepsisters where they get along and they're kind of friends, but they don't always like They each brought other. their own baggage to the family. <laughs> yeah. And, and Perry and Aramid are more like actual sisters. Maybe that's what it is. But I just, every, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled every time we get an Aramid. Oh, I love her character so much. Yeah. Did anybody click, catch the Black Orchid link? Other than the cricket? Well, for the, for the <laughs> listeners. Um, the doctor drops the name of the explorer, George Cranley. Yeah, okay, yeah. Who is related to mar- by marriage to Lord Davies. So it's, it's yeah. kind of uh, alluded to in there. So that was, that was neat. And I really like the idea that Perry and Airman uh, froze the swimming pool <laughs> to ice skate. <laughs> to ice skate. <laughs> That's and apparently it's still frozen, it's still frozen. <laughs> by the time we get to the next story. That's something I liked about both of these stories, which – it's it's very much a fifth doctor era thing is that we, we tend to get a lot more of TARDIS life in, in yeah. the, in the, in the fifth doctor's run that, you know, all the rest of it, you know, before and after is kind of like the TARDIS shows up and they walk out and then the rest of the adventure takes place out here and then they get back in at the end and we leave and that's it. But the fifth doctor's era, we got more rooms, we got the bedrooms, we got the, the, the workshop, we got to see them actually doing stuff in the TARDIS. And sometimes it wasn't relevant to the story. Sometimes it was just them character building, doing stuff yeah. in the TARDIS, you know. And so both of these had those elements where there was a lot of, I don't know, busy work or business that was just kind of set up and, oh yeah, we were ice skating, we froze the pool and, you know, and the, and the doctor's whole thing about the, you know, nitrogen, yeah, this you know liquid nitrogen and it's not to be fooled with and don't play with it, blah, blah, blah. And, and then it comes back. And, and I was yeah. thinking, this is a cute little at throwaway the, at the bit. End he said, he says the, uh, what did I tell you about the uh, uh, liquid nitrogen canisters? 
And I thought, oh, that's right. They used us to freeze the pool, and he was getting mad at him. And I thought, where's he going to go with this? And then he he made the comment about, uh, don't ever when I say something like that, don't listen to me. I thought <laughs> it was, it was a, a nice touch there at the it, end, almost a foreshadowing to the Seventh Doctor. Yeah, it felt very Seventh. You're and not ace. you're not carrying any of that Nitro Nine, are you? Are you? <laughs> of course not. Yeah. Good, go blow that up. <laughs> But yeah, the, the the whole business with the, the the nitrogen coming back into play was just like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it wasn't well, a throwaway. Even, I mean, we're not talking about Ghostlight, but even at the end when he she says he says, so do you have any regrets that you burned it down? And she goes, yeah, just one. I wish I'd have blown it up. And he goes, <laughs> wicked. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else on the roof of the world? I think so. It's, it's the supporting cast really was just kind of. They were all right. I don't know. I, I no. I thought the I thought the actors that played both Lord Davies and uh, Farrah Hemenotep <laughs> uh, were both good. Well, um, Edward Souza play, played uh, Davy. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, that. Oh, we, we should talk more Bruce about was him good. because that was one of those. I love the relationship that he had with uh, uh, John. Was that the the guy yeah, the Matthews uh, that he had with Matthews? And there was this because he the the, the general starts this with this, this very just this arrogance you know this you know be sure you get this correct about me and instill more bravery and more courage when you're writing and you don't about like it. him you yeah. just no, you just no, don't, no, you no, think, don't oh this really. guy is so standoffish I would not be able to work for this guy Matthew just completely puts up with more than I possibly could and their relationship continues to grow and, and change and evolve through this and by the end. When he's really almost, you know, when he's trying to tell him, you know, to, you know, wrap those uh, connectors tighter, you know, or if, if you don't, they'll, they it won't work, it won't make contact when they're trying to blow the cave up. And then he gives him the privilege of, Let's well, push well the the Matthews first says, you know, I'm not one of your soldiers. You know, he, he kind of chides him back and pushes back against the general, which he had he kind, kind of, of done a little bit before, but always kind bit, of, yeah. you know, backed off. This one, he was putting the general back in his place. And when the general says, you know, I, I think you should do the honors, I thought, oh, wow, that was such a nice character moment there for the general. Which was also followed up nicely then with the, how much explosives did you use? <laughs> <laughs> Which was another one of those things that, how much did you use? We've created an avalanche. And I thought, oh, man, how much more of this do we have to go? It's gonna, and they just materialize out of there and materialize back yeah. at base camp. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> I almost wondered at the set because I looked at the, my, my running length. It was you know little bars moving across the thing. As I'm listening to this, I was like, "There's nothing left well, of this." Mine had a trailer on it, so I had a, about a, a minute more than I thought I had, and I went, "Oh no, so where we, are we going with this?" Got to be getting closer. And then I thought, "I wonder if we're. I wonder if they're doing as a second Doctor callback. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to dematerialize right before the lava gets us, and then that's <laughs> oh, where we leave the it." Dominators, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Well, they kind of did. Go they kind of did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they still got the. Okay, now let's actually leave. Yeah, but right. <laughs> was it was it just me or the the open with Lord Davy getting taken over? Did he sound like uh, Brian Blessed to you guys? No, I could have sworn that's yeah. who it was at first. But I tell you, the actor that played him had a very gentleman, gentlemanly, yeah. um, and it wasn't it wasn't in the rest it. of the movie. It wasn't it. in the rest of the story. It was just in that open before Edward he was taken over. played uh, Lord Davies. Yeah. Um, he almost sounded a little bit masterish, a little um, bit uh, Jeffrey yeah, Beavers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with just yeah. how suave he mm -hmm. was. I would agree. Okay, now we can move on to uh... <laughs> <laughs> three is a crowd on an almost lifeless planet in a remote star system. 
Earth Colony Phoenix is struggling to survive. The colonists, utterly dependent on transmat technology and unable to leave the security of their habitat domes, have developed severe agoraphobia, not to mention an inability to deal with visitors. The TARDIS crew arrives on an apparently abandoned space station in orbit above the planet and soon discover that they are, they and the remaining colonists are in grave danger. To survive, the fifth Doctor, Perry and Aramin, must uncover the colony's darkest secrets before it's too late. Something inhuman is stalking the colony, and it's hungry. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. I give it. Yeah. A, I give it a little bit of a dun dun dun. What I really like about this story is the idea of it, <laughs> of this colony who has agoraphobia because of how long they've lived, or how 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 they their life has developed. I have never thought of this before, as far as sci-fi. And it seems it's a very Doctor Who idea that other science fiction doesn't wouldn't want to try to touch because it's almost too comical. But it's played so well and and so seriously that while it is humorous, you kind of feel for these people who have never who grew up never encountering other people and only one person in a cell and kind of. Doing their thing. Andrew was, Cartmel would have been all over this one. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a cool idea that, that that was my biggest takeaway from it. Aside from the the great fallout for Aramim from the previous story and dealing with the ramifications of what happened to her and that, uh, that was kind of the big standout for me in the story. So very similar setup. We get a little business in the TARDIS, which I'm like, all right, cool. We get more of the you know family, to, and you know there's a whole other room that we found, and oh, we're dealing with the fallout. And she's got shades, and okay, cool. I hope it's not permanent because I'd, I'd, I'd be sad. And then um, so we land. Oh, it's a space station. We're not going to Earth after all. And I was like, yay! <laughs> and then eggs. We've got eggs on the space station, and of course. My brain immediately goes, oh, no, he's doing an alien thing. And it's like, get out of the room. Hurry up. And it wasn't really part of it. But. And then uh, it sort of was. Kind of sort of was. And then we've got. Um, no face huggers. No face huggers. <laughs> um, when, when, when that finally came to fruition and we've got these things on the, on the space station, I was like, ooh, the Warren. They've come oh. back. <laughs> they're, they're, they're laying eggs on the space station. They're going to harvest the humans. Yeah, cool. Not the wearing. Hello. <laughs> so the, these two stories were very, very similar for me in setup, execution, pulling the rug out from under me, making me think it's a classic villain that's not, <laughs> and still being okay with it. You know, you know, it doesn't have to be a returning villain yeah. every single time. You know, it's a big galaxy. We should have some new stuff. Um, but. I think the I think the one misstep I think this one made structure wise was the one conversation that Auntie has with the butler. Oh yeah, it's telegraphed that she was that, yeah. sending these I, I, people I, off I, to the I, I, I would have liked for her to have remained a little more innocent until that gut punch comes that she was in it all the time. Because instead of being shocked and reeling from that, I was like, yeah, Doctor, get out of the room. Don't beam back to go talk to her. She's nuts. She's, she's evil. Yeah, she's, she's in on it, man. She's probably wearing an Edgar suit, and she's got to pour a face <laughs> off and be one of these things. you know. There was a lot of this that felt Seventh Doctor era to me. I don't know why, but it, I think the like because Andrew Cartmel would have 
gotten been all over this, uh, <laughs> as you said. Doesn't uh, it just seem like an idea? That- Auntie felt very much like Helen A. Yeah, from Happiness Patrol. I mean, there's so much that it it yeah. just I can see that grips Seventh Doctor, but it's a Fifth Doctor story. The, the it little, kind of, little Happiness Patrol, so uh, well. little um, Paradise Towers. Yeah, yeah, um, with the, the structure of the building, and you know. Yeah, I just it, it 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 very much. If somebody had pitched this, I think you'd have gone <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, the downsides on this one, I think, were it, it, it just didn't feel. And again, maybe it's because we listened to. I'm glad we listened to these back to back. That it, you know, yeah. it's almost like I planned it. But I, I, I didn't know, so I'm glad that these two kind of came paired together uh, because of the carryovers and stuff. But at the same time, because I enjoyed the first one so much. I really wanted to enjoy the second one, mm. and it just wasn't, in my mind, it just wasn't quite as good. I don't it, think it's as strong of a story. It's got some good ideas, but a lot of there's a lot of underdevelopment. Uh, think, while we developed the, the people on the pods and uh, the those left behind pretty well, the aliens still are kind of thrown in at the last minute and kind of just hulking monsters to go eat. I mean, yeah, and, and there's, there's a great line that uh, Airman has saying, you know, I thought it was Sobek. Oh, the, yeah. You know, these great crocodile Lizards, lizard yeah. things, um, which gave me a great amount of pleasure because there is an Eighth Doctor adventure um, that we haven't got to yet called the Skull of Sobek. Oh. So I knew who this guy was, <laughs> and I went, oh! No, not them either. <laughs> I gotta tell the guys they're gonna come back. No, that's no, not them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the the secondary characters in this one not quite as I don't want to say necessarily developed, but certainly they're, they're forgettable. They're forgettable. They're the acting relevant. wasn't yeah. quite as on par with what we had in the first one. I think, or you know, just they they weren't as riveting to listen to. I just is ironic I, since I, Auntie is Deborah Watley. Yeah, <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated the fact that, um, as you said, that they were, it was an interesting dynamic that they were, you know, this was all they knew. They were a little agoraphobic, you know, they, more than one person in the room or more than one other person in the room, you know, bothered them and they were very skittish. But I just, as that went on, I kept thinking, you're in mortal danger. I realize you've never known what mortal danger is but you they just at some human point nature at some point later on yeah, yeah it would have kicked in maybe some at some point later on i kept thinking oh quit being so whiny and just go you know especially bella she was like near the end oh specifically. come on yeah. but um overall I, I this was one of the i unfortunately on the heels of roof the world this pales in comparison and, and in fact, I think that knocked my enjoyment of this one down because yeah. I'd listen to them so close together. But I also could recognize that I enjoyed this story, and had I separated them, I probably could have given a little higher marks. Um, but it's really, for lack of a better word, it's a bottle episode <laughs> because it all happens right there in the <laughs> yeah. space station. Yeah. And we have this other one, you know, it's location. essentially a base under but siege. They're, but they're po- – yeah, but they're popping back and forth using the transmats. I like the idea that the – the doctor disabled the transmats so that then he could, again, get the TARDIS, go back <laughs> to convince Anti, and then they get in the TARDIS. And go, so like the, yeah. article, the TARDIS is used again as a device immediately with no doctor going, well, I'm not sure we can do this. You know, It's just, it's just like, hey, we, I've got this. I'm going to use it. We've got to get from one place to the other. I've shut down the transmats so that they can't come through. We're going to just do that. Um, 
I thought the villain was very lackluster because in the base of this story, it's a crashed or disabled uh, space station uh, on the which purpose was colonizing and the terraforming has gone wrong, and the space station ends up being a refrigerator for an alien species. I mean, that's yeah, that's really that's... on the base level what it was. Um, but being that simple of a story was okay for this because because of what it was, and so. I think that's what I enjoyed about it. Is it, it wasn't it wasn't a terrible story that had a lot of um, holes or, or, or it problems with it. Story. It was a simple story that went from point A to point B and, and worked all the way through. So. Yeah. Uh, going back real quick to the agoraphobia aspect, the fact that they didn't really, especially Bellop, grow past that made the ending a little harder to swallow. Yeah, because now they are definitely on their own. And the other thing that I thought was, I thought for sure that he was going to leave Herman there, for sure. Well, I thought she would go, I, yeah, that's, that's a good idea, I'll stay here. That's one of the things I really liked was Araman <laughs> being so unsure at the beginning of if being here is the right thing and her growing and making that decision on her own that, no, I want to go explore more. I want to see more of the universe despite the dangers. It's a, It was such a really cool thing for them to explore. And, and still having the echoes of a fake doctor in our head from the yeah. previous story that yeah. maybe I did make a misstep with well, this and he's so concerned about her that when he proposes it, I was like, ah, no. I mean, yeah, it makes sense, but no. What I, mean, I liked I don't about want to it. Go. Oh. What I liked about okay. this is I've always liked Araman. But this makes me appreciate her even more because she can bounce back from those insecurities that were planted in the story prior to this, which were very devastating, could be very effective oh, yeah. on somebody and affect them you know, in a, a most adverse way. And you get that impression that she has been through something very seriously you know, that, that affected her seriously at the beginning of the story, and she's able to work through it in the span of this story. And it made me appreciate her a lot better. Yeah. That she was able to bounce back. Makes well her a she even stronger yeah. character yeah. than she already was. Absolutely. And for her to say, yeah, I know, I, don't, I think I'm ready to keep traveling. Perry's still got to show me a roller coaster. Oh, by the way, <laughs> you owe me a pedigree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, also, I also liked in the story how, how well they juggled the pairings and how if pretty much everyone rotated around they got to do something important and throughout the entire story it's not the doctor and one character off on their own doing one thing and a third per- the everybody third. was given something at, at no at no point was just kind of rotating through everybody at no point in any of these did i groan inwardly and go oh this is the part of the story where we've split mm-hmm. companion a off yep. and to you know Be- and- especially in this one because it, it keeps rotating back between it was a bit more in the first one. Companion A is gone because Aramon in her situation, but this one less so it, because it keeps. Well, they interchange them too. It's Aramon and the Doctor. It's yeah, yeah. And, it, and it was important for the narrative of the theme of of the crew of the yeah. TARDIS crew. The yeah, three is a crew, and I love the the way that he says that at the end because you so ex- expect him when he's seemingly is going to trip up and say the cliche. He says three is a. Crew and I thought, okay, this is perfect because we have established that at the beginning. Because Perry's can, can, has, I think she asked once in the other story, and in this one, she reestablishes the question: Do you regret having, you know, two companions it's, it's with you? That I wanted to talk to you. About and this. again, this is what, the one thing that I came out of this that, that that marked it up, gave it an even higher mark on it was. It made me appreciate because you know, we've talked about the crowded, crowded TARDIS. We've oh, talked yeah. about it. Fandom talks about the crowded TARDIS. The fifth doctor's there. Too many commands. Too many commands. Too many commands. 
What this story did is nicely put in perspective that the fifth doctor is very comfortable and works best with a crew as opposed to a companion. And I think this hit the nail on the head, and that's what I most appreciated about this particular story, is it really drove home the fact that this is really the fifth doctor's element, to have more than one person with him, to have a crew, to share those experiences, to share those responsibilities, and everybody has a job. And in this one, they beautifully all came through. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, I just realized it's been since December since we had any airmen. Wow. On the show. It didn't seem like it was that long when scheduling happened, but... Yeah. It, 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 that was the last time we did. And kind of going back, like you said, the, un, the unfortunate thing about this is that it came on the heels of Roof of the World. If we had listened to this one after the last set of Airmen ones that we had, which was Necromantia or Axis of Insanity, <laughs> I bet we'd have been like, dun, 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 uh, this uh, is the greatest uh, thing ever because that one sucked. Uh, I remember I liked Axis. I liked Axis. I, well, I liked Axis too better than Necromantia. Or Necromantia was terrible. So, it, because of what happens in this story and how – the TARDIS team really becomes a team. It really makes me worried about Airman's future. <laughs> to break this team well, apart is going to have to be something horrific. If it oh, helps. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> if, it, if it helps, I looked ahead and she's got at least half a dozen more stories. Oh, good. But if it hinders, it won't it's hinder only half anything. half a dozen more stories. <laughs> with this many stories, yeah. With this many stories, one of the most glaringly obvious things that can't be you have to be retroactively fit because fixed because obviously they could never have known they were going to be doing audio stories but as Araman becomes more ingrained as a true companion of the fifth doctor it really really bothers me in that sequence in caves of androzani oh. at the end <laughs> that she's not in that part that that group of uh companions yeah. that he's recalling as he's perishing so it makes me think either A, is this just going to be something that's never going to be fulfilled? Or B, does something happen that erases Perry in Vit Doctor's memory and is more tragic the fact that there's there's a oh. real reason why the Doctor doesn't recall her in the... Uh, is Big Finish going to hand wave it away with, ah, yeah. or are we going to actually retcon it and say, no, we planned this. It's yeah. going to shoehorn right here in the middle Which of this. I'm afraid of the latter. <laughs> <laughs> because... Which, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. We understand why <laughs> she is not in that in that group of recalled companions. I mean, it just that those were different era, done at different times. Well, it's kind of like. But I I've seen Big Finish retroactively fix a lot of things in the stuff that they've done. They've they've, they've taken very good care in maintaining a semblance of uh, continuity throughout the the. It's just a question of, is that one of the continuity things that... Yeah. Yeah. Will it just forever be a hole, or will it be... Well, here's <laughs> here's why. <laughs> oh. Well, in Night of the Doctor, isn't there some companions the Eighth Doctor doesn't mention that he has an audio? Or am I just thinking <coughs> of the novels? Yeah. yeah, well, Mary Shelley traveled with him. Um, yeah. There was another one that somebody else had mentioned to me that we hadn't. We, we, have, we haven't gotten to them yet, yeah, but we, I, I knew there were missing names, so it's kind of like one of those things. I think there was too. only two that I think I read somewhere when somebody on some message I remember message for sure he working. mentioned Charlie, Lucy, and Tamsin. And Kariz. And Kariz. And, Kariz. and Tamsin. Yeah, those were, the, those were the ones. That was and it. You said Molly, right? I didn't say Molly. Oh, you didn't say Molly. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Molly. Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. Kariz. Kariz Lucy. Lucy. Tamsin. Molly. Tamsin. Yeah. Or Lucy Mittans and Molly. 
<coughs> Molly's the reason I was thinking Molly because she's the one that's that dies, isn't she? There. Was no, that's Cass. Oh, that was Cass. Okay, well, I don't know who Molly is. Oh, to, uh, it was like Molly. Uh, it was those isolate you and Cass. I yeah, apologize. that's right. He did add Cass. Mo- okay. Molly is in Dark Eyes. Okay. So they ran all the way up to the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things for me. Well, and I think he only traveled with Barry twice. I think there's only two stories. Was three. Was it three? But that's a, that, that's a. I can't wait to get to those and see exactly how clever Big Finish was. <laughs> yeah, because he's by the time that he meets uh, Charlie, he has already had experiences with. Well, because Mary he, Shelley. he he apparently yeah. uh, I don't remember which one it was, but he name drops Mary Shelley. Yeah, and uh, then, very early on. Very, very early, early on. on. Yeah, and then they decided okay, <laughs> so they went back and did Mary Shelley adventures, which I'm presuming are actually set before before. He picks up Charlie, yes. but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that all fits in. <laughs> but Peter Davidson, I thought, was wonderful, as usual. Mm-hmm. Both of these. In both of these. And um, as you mentioned, Nicola Bryant was... was I'll, I'll say it for Chrissy's benefit. I really am enjoying The Fifth Doctor now in Big Finish. I've been very sour on a good chunk of his stories, but um, I think Big Finish... I, I really think I like him best with... Perry and Araman. Um, I think some of the Tegan stories we've listened to and Nissa stories have been hit and miss, but so far the Araman stories have I been wonder if that's, With the exception of that one silly necro, ne, ne, whatever. In, in, in fairness. What was it? Necromantia? Necromantia. Necromantia. In, in fairness, I wonder if it's, are we enjoying Araman and Perry more because of the unknown factor of it, and we're not coming oh. into it with the preconceived notion and all the baggage that we have. That's from, a good point, that's, Sean. From, I had from thought Tegan of it. And, 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 that's and an the excellent point. I don't know. I uh, you know even the Turlo story. Yeah, mm, it was. You know, I didn't. I don't think okay. I came down hard on it, but it yeah, wasn't the, the werewolf greatest. one. It was, it was okay. Yeah. Well, there was another Tegan was one in two, there too. Yeah, yeah. or a Turlo one. Have we got to the other one? Yeah, we've done two so far. We haven't done any Tegan. Group Lego was a group. That was the werewolf. That one. was the werewolf one. Yeah. That was Turlo, and then we did another one where was they the had Jack the Ripper. Man. Yeah, or the, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, not not the. Uh, uh, oh yeah, the early, early, early one that, that we was did not like. Like really early. Oh, well, the, the the guy was modeled after. Um, yeah, the Highwayman. I can't remember. There's actually a famous character. Yeah. That, that it, was it felt like another part of the Inferno Club. With yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Set, probably set around the same. time. It was like three or four. Phantasmagoria. <laughs> that was finally it, yeah. came to me. Wow! <laughs> look at that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember liking that one especially well, but it was it was it was a fine Turlo story. I mean, it was it was okay. Yeah. So I wonder if that's just something maybe because because of the you know. Well, and it's a fresh thing too. Companions we don't know yeah. on television. Well, and and I mean we we do Planet of Fire, and then we do Caves of Androzani, and that's all we get with Perry and the Fifth Doctor, and so yeah. we get we're now getting all of that space in between, which I think has been quite enjoyable because oh, it, it yeah. fills in that gap. It. Every the the closer that five gets with Perry, the more poignant the sacrifice is for Caves of Androzani. If, if, if Big Finish hasn't done anything, that has been what it's done the best. I mean, yeah. obviously, I pointed out some very good things they've done, but if, they, if if you can't point to anything, that is the one thing they've done really good in as far as retconning, and that's to make that 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 scene in Caves of Androzani that much more poignant. Yeah. There, there was a bit of a when, when he mentions he says after all the time we've traveled together and I kind of went ha 
<laughs> because we really haven't. <laughs> but they have. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's canon now. I'll allow it. But now they have. I don't know. Because I kind of wonder the same thing with the Sixth Doctor stuff when we when we well, do, cause we, really, we, yeah. we really really enjoy Evelyn and is it because she's something new and different as opposed to Perry or Mel? Although there have been quite a few Sixth Doctor and Perry that we listened to that we enjoyed, wasn't mm-hmm. there? So, well, and Seventh Doctor doesn't doesn't apply to Mel because I've <coughs> excuse me enjoyed all of the Seventh Doctor Mel stories we've done so far. So, yeah, I don't know. Of course, we, we tend not to... I say all of them. I can only think of one now because I think I was transplanting the Sixth Doctor because the One Doctor... Not the One Doctor. Yeah, the One Doctor was... Uh, the One Doctor was Six. Six, yeah. yeah. Bang, bang, a boom was seven. Bang, yeah. I think there was a, there was another one, too. Yeah, one uh, the one where they had... Oh, Big Bang, a boom... Or Bang, bang, a boom was the one where they had to fix the... They had the Eurovision... The contest. Yeah. 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 Was there another one then? I think there was one more. Oh, the Quarks one. Um, the one where they... Yeah. Oh, that was... No, Flip Flop. Flip-flop. Flip-flop. Yeah. I said corks, but they were just name-dropped, and we wedged them into our corks. Oh, yeah. Okay, it our, yeah. It was a catalyst for our corks. Back and forth, back and forth right. That was seven. Um, yeah, well, and I mean, of course, we tend to... We come down on the side of Perry, and even Mel, to an extent. In the audience, in the, more well, than the television. Even on general. TV, though, that I don't think we've, we've come down too hard on Mel... She's only in, what, four or five stories? I, uh, I think yeah. we're a little more forgiving than most of fandom as far as Mel goes. I think yeah. that... Um, Same thing with Perry. Well, I think we're pretty forgiving yeah, with her I on television, I don't know, but you, you hear a lot of praise for Perry in things like Caves of Adrazani and uh, Planet of Fire. No, not Planet of Fire. Uh, the other one, the other planet. Yeah, Planet of Fire. No, the other planet. Uh, the one with the Sixth Doctor. Uh, Mysterious uh, Planet. Mysterious Planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, people have praised her. You very rarely see any praise for Mel, ever. <laughs> So I think we've been a, a much more generous with Mel than most of the fandom has. And she's kind of, eh. <laughs> so. uh, the book shows Who wrote these? really no uh, tidbits that are very interesting. Um, I'm glad you brought the book, Glenn. Colin, <laughs> Brake, Colin Brake wrote Threes of Crab. Yeah. The guy who wrote the last one, I don't have his name pulled up, would have written or did write Lost... In the dimension, what would have been the thirtieth anniversary special? Dark dimension. Yeah, dark dimension. Oh, remind me off mic. Have something to ask you guys about that. Okay. Uh, Rift it's funny that you Adrian Ringles that came up. Ringlesford. Ringle. Ringle. Yeah, Ringlesford. Hansel. Hansel. <laughs> Hansel. Hansel. I'm ready for this one. Unregenerates. I've heard lots of good things about that. Okay. Which means I'll probably be let down, but <laughs> my expectations <laughs> are too high. Too high. You should uh, never listen to your expectations. Yeah, I shouldn't. All right, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? A change in the programming. <laughs> this is becoming the norm. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> uh, thank you, Keith, for pointing out uh, my schedule was wrong. Uh, next week for Friday Night Who, we're doing Curse of Fenric, which is available on Netflix, and did we determine other sources or not? I don't know on that one. I don't I'm remember char- if we looked that one up. I'm not in charge of other sources. Okay. I'm sure they're digitally available to purchase. <laughs> well, yeah. But it is on Netflix. Oh, I, I believe they are on iTunes. On iTunes or Amazon Prime or not, there, not there's Prime. There's no uh, Prime. Hulu or something, wasn't there? Oh, I'm sure it's on Hulu. Some, yeah. Something out there has it somewhere. 
but it is on Netflix, for the, which I think the majority of our, our, our listeners seem to have. Um, so you can join in with us Friday night at midnight. Um, somebody brought up an interesting question of, uh, is it the special edition or is it the, the standard edition? And I'll be honest, I haven't looked. Normally, when, when there's an option and it's Keith's first viewing, we always go with the, you're getting the, the bare bones TV edition as we saw it back in the day. But if the one that's on Netflix happens to be the special edition, well, that's the one we're going with. So. <laughs> is there a special edition? I didn't know if there was or not. Um, if there is. Well, if there is, it's news to me. I forget who it was. Somebody on Twitter asked me that question, and I thought to myself, oh, that's kind of an interesting thing. I might need to look into that. But anyway, that's our Friday Night Who for this week. Um, and then originally, as scheduled, we were going to review Curse of Fenric, because it's not one that we've seen. And then, um, uh, where did I have it? Big Finish number uh, 67, Dreamtime, which is incorrect. Uh, Keith pointed out that we skipped a hex, I skipped a hex story when I, when I made the schedule. So it is not going to be dream time. We are actually going to listen and review Big Finish number 58, Harvest. Or The Harvest. Uh, because I, I skipped over a whole... And I, I think what really probably caught Keith's eyes is the, uh, the Cybermen are making an appearance in, the, <laughs> in this one. That's probably what got him excited. Well, and that's part of... I, I started uh, dream time and said, who's this guy coming out of the TARDIS? And then saw, I would remember a Cyberman story. <laughs> I'm not likely to forget that. I, I apparently missed the first text story, so we, we're, we're changing it. So it will be The Harvest paired up with Curse of Fenric for next week. And The Harvest is a Seventh Doctor, Ace, and Hex. It's his first appearance in Big Finish audio, so there is that. Quick note, if I can go back. Um, Doctor Who, Curse of Fenric is prevented, presented in two versions on the disc, the only disc that ever came out. Well, discs not only came out. Disc one contains the four original 25-minute episodes exactly as originally broadcast with stereo sound. That will be the one we watch. That's always the case, and that's the one we will watch. That's so the one that's there's on your definitive answer right now. Yeah. Certainly, I'm sure it is. Because <laughs> disc, well, disc two offers the updated 103-minute version, which is going to be omnibus, and they never put the omnibus oh, yeah. on, on uh, Netflix. So. Oh, okay. Um, and I, in fact, I know for a fact it's not on uh, the omnibus is not on Netflix because I started to watch this on Netflix and it was episodic. So, um, well, there you was, go. It was supervised by uh, composer Mark Ayers and uh, following Nicholas Mallet's original cut. They're edited like a feature-length film and incorporated approximately ten minutes of extra story material. Oh, so it's kind of like what they did with uh, Enlightenment. Yeah. So I'm kind of. Glad that I picked that up at the library so I can <laughs> so I can look at the other episode and see how they did. Yes, and that we should point that out. And Chrissy points this out, I think, from time to time. Always check your local library. You never know what DVDs that they have as far as Doctor Who. And some even have big finished stories. Yeah, so look look at your library because you, if you, you have your library card, <laughs> checkout's free. So yeah. <laughs> don't cost you anything. Unless you forget to take it back and then you have to pay late charge, <laughs> which happens to us frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. So what you're saying is I don't need to go down to the library. I need to just boot up my Netflix because you rented yep. the copy they had. Yeah, I have the probably the only copy of Curse of Fenric at home. And I just re-upped it because I checked it out a couple of weeks ago and I went, I better recheck this. <laughs> so I've got it for another three more weeks. So. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so there's that, and uh, that schedule has been changed and updated on our website, uh, which of course is travelingthevortex.com, and you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Patreon. We thank you once again for uh, everybody who has uh, 
uh, supported us through uh, our Patreon account. And if you would like to um, and keep this fine program on the air, um, we would certainly appreciate it. And you can go there and, and make a donation. Uh, you can also purchase items through our spread shirt. shirt. You want to say spread shop. It's a spread shirt. And Sean's pushing me to get those new designs up, so I will get those up. And there, there are new designs coming. The red capes are coming. New designs are coming. <laughs> um, not sold. <laughs> and uh, I miss anything. I don't think I missed anything. No, you're starting to get scatter shot. I'm kind of scatter shot. All right. Well, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Scatter shot. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.